Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. All right. Here we go. Another sermon. Why do I still get so nervous? I've done this for long enough. I shouldn't be nervous, but I feel anxious and insecure. I don't feel like I have what it takes. I know God's word is powerful, but I never feel like I'm enough. Never enough. What will they think of me? All right, come on, Adrian. It's go time. Don't mess this up. Smile. I wonder this morning if any of you can relate to the battle, the battle in the mind. I often battle with thoughts of faith and thoughts of fear, with thoughts that bring incredible peace and hope to my life and then thoughts that are downright destructive and toxic. If I was honest with you today, sometimes I don't, I don't really like my mind. It's a constant battle, but, but it's a battle that matters. And that's why over these next three weeks, we're going we're gonna to face that battle head on as a church. There's a lot, there's a lot that I don't know about this battle, but, but let me tell you one thing that I know for sure today, that we cannot, as believers in Jesus Christ, and will not be passive We can't waste another day losing a battle that we can win. Let me say that again. We we cannot waste another day losing a battle that we can actually win. So we're declaring emphatically today that God gives us victory. He gives us victory. He transforms us. And listen, church, it starts in our mind. So welcome, welcome to our series. We've entitled it, It's All in Your Mind. And our tendency with a topic like this, our tendency is to minimize. Our our tendency is to pretend this idea of talking about our mind and the importance of our thoughts that like it'll go away if I just ignore it or minimize the power and the importance of this battle. That this title, It's All in Your Mind, uh, literally, that's, a, that's an idea, that's a phrase that we typically use to, to explain that something's not real. It's just in your mind, right? But in God's sight, nothing could be more real. Nothing could be more real. Our relationship with God starts, it starts in our mind. And in our Bible say that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our thoughts matter. Our, uh, allowing God to work in our minds matters. It's very real. Literally, church, it is. It is all in your mind. It is all in your mind. Turn to your neighbor and say that. It is all in your mind. You can even point at them if you want. Get a little accusatory. It is It is, neighbor, all in your mind. Some of the kids, you had fun pointing at your parents and saying that today, right? I love what Augustine said. I have the quote here on the screen. Augustine said it this way. A Christian is 
a mind through which Christ thinks, a heart through which Christ loves, a voice through which Christ speaks, and a hand through which Christ helps. I want you to join me this morning for a bit of a pop quiz. Now that's enough to make you a little sweaty, especially on a back to school Sunday when many of us in the room have not taken a quiz for many, many years, uh, but stay with me, it'll be all right. Uh, it's a little bit less of a quiz and more of an audit. For some of you, like, oh, that just went from bad to worse, right? <laughs> now you're really sweaty, but, but uh, stay with me for a moment. I want you to take a thought audit with me today. I want, I want you to take uh, an audit of your thoughts today, because as we start into this series, it's important for us to begin and understand the, the, the thoughts that we're thinking on a regular basis. So I have a few categories that I'm going to put on the screen in a scale. And you don't have to tell anybody your score. You don't have to announce what your number would be. But, but personally today, I want to invite you to take a thought audit. So first, the category is this. Uh, on one side, worried. On the other side, peaceful. How, how would you describe your thoughts <laughs> in your mind. Not, not what your thoughts should be, but as you go throughout your typical day. Are your thoughts filled with worry? Or are your thoughts filled with peace? What would your score be today? How about this? Do you tend to see most things in your life through a negative perspective? Or through a more optimistic view? Some of you might be tempted to turn and look at your neighbor, look at the person you drove here with. Probably not at this moment would be good, right? Are you more optimistic or negative? Are you more hopeful in your thoughts or sometimes negative? Where would you be on this scale? One more. I know this is painful for some of us, right? Are your thoughts today fixated more on temporary things or on eternal things? What's typically, how about this? What's typically the first thing you think about when you get up in the morning? Is it the temporary, the world around us, or is it Jesus, the, the eternal? Pastor and author Craig Groeschel, who's done a lot of good research and writing on this topic, says this. I think this is powerful. He says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our minds are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, that your life and my life always reflects the thoughts that we think. So, what do you want your life to look like today? We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. If you have your copy of Scripture, if you have your YouVersion Bible app, if you would turn there with me. Um, the Apostle Paul writes these words to the church in Rome. And if you're familiar with Romans 12, 1 or 2, it's not shocking today that on a series that talks about our mind and our thoughts that we would begin here. But if you would turn to Romans chapter 12 with me today. We're going to look at just two verses. But these two verses are enough, and they lay a powerful foundation for us as the next couple of weeks we continue to study and understand God's transformation for us beginning in our minds. Uh, Romans 12 verse 1 says this, therefore, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living 
sacrifice. What is Paul doing here as he writes to the church in Rome? He's referencing here something in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, that they would have been very familiar with. They were very familiar with the sacrifice of the Old Testament. That's how they worshiped. They would come into the temple and what would happen, an animal literally would be sacrificed on the altar. So what's Paul doing? He's pointing back to this idea. He's using an illustration that everyone would understand in order to make an even more powerful illustration in Romans 12.1. So he says, I urge you in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And literally this Greek word would point back to the Old Testament sacrifice. It goes on to say this, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. In other words, what is Paul saying here? He's saying you used to offer your sacrifice on the altar, but now, now you offer you, right? Do you get, do you get the, the difference here? It used to be you would bring your sacrifice and place it on the altar and God would make it holy and that would be your true and proper worship. But now, no, 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 no. Now you offer yourself. You place yourself and God makes you holy. And that is what worship truly is. Look at verse two. After that, after we understand this foundational truth about offering ourselves as a sacrifice, this is what verse two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There appear to be, there appear to be two options here, right? Option one is conform to the pattern of this world. Option two is be transformed. I don't, I don't have to tell you about the pattern of this world because you live in this world. You live in a world that's different than in Rome when Paul wrote this, but we look around today and we understand the pattern of this world. As Brian preached last week, an incredible message uh, in Ephesians chapter five, it said the days are evil. And I look around and you look around and you understand very well the pattern of this world, right? Because you're living in the same world I am and you understand selfishness and greed, and fear, and worry, and hate, and injustice, and cruelty. You understand it because you feel it. You see it all around us. And Paul says we have a choice. We either conform to that way of living, or, or we're transformed. We're transformed. And that word, transformed, in the Greek, because we know that the New Testament was originally written in Greek, that word is the, the same word where we get metamorphosis. So that lets you know the kind of transformation. We're not talking about a slight adjustment here. We're talking about a drastic transformation. And it's noteworthy, it's noteworthy in Romans 12, that Paul could say a lot of things about our transformation. He could say that we're transformed by the renewing of our heart. He could say that we're transformed by the renewing of our soul. And yet, he uses this word that we're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind. That word mind in the Greek, uh, it's the word nous, and it literally means you're perceiving, you're understanding, you're judging. And this is how we're transformed, church. This is the truth of God's word for us, that we're transformed because see, this is what happens in my life. I tend to focus on the external. I yell at my kids too much. 
I don't pray as much as I should. I'm not as generous as I should be. I'm a little too stingy. I don't call my mom enough, right? I look at all of those external things. I say, God, fix all of that. But that's not the truth of where our transformation begins because sometimes when all I'm worried about is what's happening out here, that becomes about behavior modification. That becomes about just changing my actions but not addressing the truth of my heart, of my mind. And the truth is of Romans 12 is I want God to transform my mind first. That's where transformation begins. Oh, oh, it impacts everything else. All of this other stuff matters, but our transformation begins. It begins not, not outwardly and moves its way in. No, no, no. It begins in our mind. Most of life's battles, most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. I'm going to say that again. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. That's why this matters. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We often don't realize how much it matters in our life. Maybe you know Romans 12 too. Maybe you've heard it before, but our tendency is to sometimes minimize or ignore. This is our key to victory in our lives right now. Some of you are facing incredible battles and the key to victory is allowing God to transform your mind, but we treat it often like an afterthought. I was thinking about this. Have you ever, have you ever lost a game you knew you shouldn't lose? Now, my competitive people in the room are like, yeah, every game I've ever played, I shouldn't have lost, right? I get it, yeah. Good for you being so confident in yourself. But have you ever, you ever lost a game you, you knew you shouldn't lose? Now, I'm, I'm not super athletic. Most of you know that, and you can tell by looking at me today, right? So, so maybe your analogy is a little bit more like the team you rooted for, right? Like the team you were rooting for, you knew they shouldn't lose. I was thinking about this this past week, and I was thinking about as a seventh grader, because I've got, I've got a seventh grader in my house as of, as of tomorrow. He's a seventh grader. And I was thinking about me at his age, and I was thinking about playing my dad in one-on-one -on -one basketball in the driveway. And I, here's the thing, in seventh grade, seventh grade, I knew I was better than him. I knew it. I don't know that I got in his face and I'm like, I'm better than you, but I knew it. I knew I was better than my dad at basketball. And listen, I'm not very athletic and I think I get it from him because let me tell you, in seventh grade, I knew, I knew I was better than my dad. But here's the problem. My dad, my dad knew how to dictate the terms of the game. What does that mean? Listen, listen, my dad knew he was older and slower, a little bit thicker, if you know what I mean. And so, so what did he do? He'd slow the game down. He, he'd play more physical. He'd back me down into the paint and take easier shots. And he would win every single time. Now, did my dad win every single time because he had more skill and more athletic ability? The answer is no. <laughs> No, he won because time after time after time, he controlled how the game was played. And that's exactly what the enemy does in our lives. Now, my dad will love that I'm comparing him to the devil in this analogy. Sorry, dad. Um, but listen, listen, there's a battle going on in our lives right now. And as long as we're focused on all of the other things, 
Good things, important things, critical things. But as long as we are focused on all of those other things and ignore what's happening in our minds, the enemy wins every single time. He has to have your mind to beat you. He has to. And you and I have an enemy, and and our enemy is strong and crafty, and he wants to destroy us. But listen, church, our enemy, your enemy is not better than you. He's not. Listen, 1 John 4, 4 says the one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world. So your enemy is not better than you when you're in Christ. Your enemy is not stronger than you when you're in Christ because on our side, we have the living God, the one who conquered death and and defeated hell in the grave. We have to stop allowing the enemy to dictate the terms of the battle. You see this, this transformation, it's not optional. It's not for some people and not for those, oh, that's your thing, not my thing. For anyone who desires to be mature in Christ, for anyone who desires to be a disciple of Jesus. That's what this transformation is for. And look at what it says. We, we almost forgot the end of verse two, didn't we? Just two verses today. But look, after it speaks of this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, what does it say then? Then what comes next happens after we are transformed, after we allow God to help us with the battle in our mind. Then what does it say? You will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Without a renewed mind, church, we drift. We are not able to know. You are not able to know the will of God in your life without a renewed mind. You can't. Apart from this renewal, what are we? We're prisoners of our thoughts. We're believing lies that steal our faith and rob us of joy. And quickly we become defeated. And I don't have to tell you that because today, if you know a little bit about this battle, you understand how quickly we can become defeated. So the question today, what is the lie? What is the lie today that you're believing in your mind? What is your most toxic thought? If, if transformation begins in your mind, which is not my idea, it's God's idea, it's the truth of God's word, if that is true today, then what is the lie that you are believing? What is the track, the broken record that plays over and over and over again in your head, shouting into your ears? Let me give you some examples. Maybe you can relate. Maybe for you, the lie is this. You are unworthy. You can't do it. Maybe for you, it's it's this. If people really knew you, they would hate you. No one cares about you. Maybe today your lie sounds something like this. You are all alone. God cannot be trusted. Keep to yourself. Don't get found out. Smile and hide. Smile and hide. What about you today? What's the lie, if you are really honest, what's the lie that you hear over and over again in your mind? 
Can I be transparent today? I'll share, I'll share mine. It's painful for me, but I, I know it because when we talked about that thought audit, what's the, what's the thing you hear first when you wake up in the morning? I'm going to be honest, the lie that the enemy, he's not whispering it in my ear, he's screaming it time and time again. The lie for me is this, you are not enough. Adrian, you are not enough. You will never be enough, Adrian. Look at you trying so hard, but always failing. Look at you, look at you, look around. They all see it, Adrian, they all know. They know you're not good enough. Look at you trying to be a good enough husband and father and son and brother and friend. What makes you think you can even be a pastor? You're not enough. You'll never be enough. So what happens in my life? What happens in my life when I become a prisoner of that thought? When that thought doesn't just come and I push it away or I allow God's truth to speak to me, but instead I kind of allow that thought to come and hang out a little bit and replay again over and over in my mind. What happens? Well, I start to believe it. I start to walk into every relationship in my life, every interaction with a sense of defeat. I'm easily overwhelmed. I'm anxious. I'm afraid. Instead of pursuing healthy relationships, we talked about that. We heard about that as the service began, that we believe in groups. Why do we do that? Because we need to pursue healthy relationships. That's important. But instead, when I buy into this lie, I actually withdraw from others. I keep others at an arm's distance because I believe I'm not enough. And I believe they believe it too. I, I don't let people in. I don't let them close. So how, how can I have victory in my life when I allow this thought to become a reality in my everyday life? Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can relate to the lie in your mind, playing over and over again. Maybe you can relate to the losing battle when, when that lie, you begin to act as if it's reality. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, truthfully, on our own, it is, it is a losing battle. I'm here to tell you that. In my own strength, I will never be enough. There's some truth to that lie in my life. On my own strength, I will never be enough. But the good news for us is we don't fight this battle alone. The Apostle Paul, the same one that writes Romans 12 that we read just a moment ago, he writes another letter to another church in Corinth, and he reflects on a question. It wasn't a question that he came up with. It was a question that the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament posed hundreds of years earlier, and it's a timely question. It was a timely question for Paul, and it's a timely question for us. The question is this, who has known the mind of the Lord? Now, when the prophet Isaiah wrote this question, generations and generations before Paul, I believe he was in a battle. I believe he was in the same battle that you and I face today, the battle of the mind. And he asked this question, maybe in frustration, maybe as a prayer, but who has known the mind of the Lord? Who can really understand the mind of the Lord? But now... Paul writes these words, and he reflects back on this question, not as just a rhetorical question to throw out there, not as just, hey, let's get into a debate here. He throws out the question in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he answers the question. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, who has known the mind of the Lord 
quoting the prophet Isaiah, but then Paul says these words, but we have the mind of Christ. Would it shock you today to know that the same word here for mind is the same word Paul uses in Romans 12 too? Would it shock you to know the same way we're transformed by the renewing of our mind? Paul now says emphatically, we can have the mind not of us, the wisdom not of us, the understanding not of us, but the mind of Christ. Who can know the mind of the Lord? Paul says, I've got good news today. We can. We can have the mind of Christ because we have the mind of Christ. Because we can have the mind of Christ, we can be transformed. We can be renewed. A transformed mind isn't just a mind that's cleaned up a little bit. It's his mind in you, the mind of Christ. And because we have the mind of Christ, we can walk in victory. No matter what lie, no matter what lie the enemy's whispering, shouting in your ear, we can have the mind of Christ. Last week, again, we heard a really powerful message from Ephesians chapter six. If you, if you weren't here, um, I always encourage you when you're not here, go back and listen, but I would really encourage you. I think it's a message that we could all use in different places in our life. In the challenge from Ephesians chapter six was, was kind of two words, or really one word, stand. We stand. That's why God has given us the armor, the armor of God, so that we can stand. We stand. And over these next couple weeks, church, we're gonna battle a little bit. We're gonna battle. We're not gonna back down. We're not gonna be passive. We're not gonna kind of push this idea off to the side, even if we don't totally understand it. We're gonna believe that this battle in our mind really matters. And we're gonna stand through God's strength. We're gonna stand with his power at work in us. We're gonna stand with the mind of Christ in us. We're gonna stand. So now church, I'm gonna invite you to do something. Would you stand right now to your feet? Would you stand? So we prepare in just a moment to close. But before we do that, we're not done yet. As you stand today, I have a powerful statement. I don't think it's powerful because I just like wrote it on a napkin. I think this is powerful because it's true. I think it's powerful because I believe this is the word of the Lord. I believe this is the word of the Lord for us today. And maybe one of you showed up today and you're desperate for this to be true. You're desperate for Romans 12, 2 to be true in your life. You're desperate for 1 Corinthians 2 to be true in your life, the mind of Christ. And for you today, I believe this statement is true. I'm gonna have it here on the screen. It just simply says this, change your mind, change your life. I don't know about you, I read that statement the first time and I thought, ooh, but, but my, my immediate tendency is to explain that away, right? Because I wanna live in the concrete I want to live uh, according to the things I can touch and see. And immediately as we start talking about our mind, I want to say, well, I don't know about. But if we take the word of God seriously today, if we believe that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, then the truth is today. Change your mind and change your life. In fact, maybe today you would want to make this into more of a prayer. Maybe this would be a little bit of a declaration as you go throughout over these next couple weeks as you're battling. Because let me tell you, the enemy is going to battle. He's going to fight us. Some of us are in a battle right now, raging war in our mind. 
And so maybe, maybe this is good, but maybe today you would want to make this a prayer like me and it would say something like this, Lord, change, change my mind, change my life. Again, what's our tendency? Lord, change my circumstances. Lord, change my kids. Lord, change my marriage. Lord, change my finances. I get all that, man. But maybe today the prayer starts here and it starts here, Lord, change my mind. Change my mind because I believe you wanna change my life. I believe, God, that as you change my mind, as you give me the mind of Christ, you wanna change my life. So today you're standing, aren't you? And maybe you're just standing because I asked you to and you didn't wanna look awkward, but today, maybe symbolically we stand, don't we? Not in our own strength, not in our own power, because we believe we serve a God who is able to change even our mind. And in doing so, he can change our life. In just a minute, we're gonna respond, not just through song and not just by spending a few moments in prayer, but we get the opportunity to come to the table. We get the opportunity to receive communion. And for us here at Church of the Nazarene, uh, communion is a means of grace. It's a sacrament for us. It's an opportunity that as we come to the table, we realize we're not worthy and we don't deserve this, but we come to the table and we remember and we give thanks. And today, if you're in a battle, maybe coming to the table is a reminder, a tangible reminder that you don't fight alone. A tangible reminder that the blood of Jesus was shed for you. His body was broken for you. Why? So that you could have victory today so that you could be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you could have the mind of Christ. I'm gonna invite you to bow your head with me today. Would you do that? Could we just pause for a minute? We're not good at pausing. We're not good at being still. We're not good at being quiet. But as you pause with me, I believe this is a holy moment because I believe the holy God is with us. His Holy Spirit is here among us. And today this response can be really personal. Anybody can come to the table if you desire to be in right relationship with God. You don't have to be a member of our church. All you have to do today is to desire, to say, man, I wanna be in right relationship with God. I wanna have a real relationship with Jesus. I don't wanna fight the battle in my life alone anymore. I want to rely on his power in his strength. I want the mind of Christ in me. Today, if that's the posture of your heart in just a minute, as we pray, you're invited to the table. Today at the table, we have a cup of the juice representing his blood. We have a cup of the bread representing his body. And you can take those elements back to your seat. You can kneel at an altar. You can gather with your family or friends and receive those elements together. But before we do that, I just wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for the one today who's believing the lie. I wanna pray for the one today that's overcome by this battle in the mind. They can't have victory because the enemy has sabotaged their thoughts, their attitudes. He's poisoned their mind. And if that's you today, I just, I wanna pray. I wanna pray that you would believe there's hope, that you would believe victory is possible, that you would believe just that simple prayer, Lord, 
changed my mind, changed my life. And if that's you today, can I, can I just pray with you, Lord, today? We believe your word is true. We believe your word is true and we believe that transformation is possible for us. Every single one of us, no matter how lost we feel, no matter how broken our circumstances seem, no matter how long the lies of the enemy have been raging war within us today, we believe victory is possible. So Holy Spirit, would you come? As we surrender, that just that simple prayer, Lord, change my mind, change my life. As we come to the table today, we're not worthy. This is grace. It's a means of grace. We don't deserve your blood shed for us, your death on a cross, your payment for our sins, that you would make a way for us. But today we come with hearts that are grateful. We love you and we thank you for these sacred moments. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.